come and go every day, all day, but there are some things, there are some thoughts that you choose to dwell on, that you choose to continue to develop in your mind, and those things control who you are. They create the personality in you. They create what you become. That's the first thing. The second thing I've, I've really come to understand more than ever is that I need help managing my mind. I need help managing keeping things positive in my outlook. And, and I'm not saying that I didn't have that knowledge before, but there's a difference in having knowledge and believing something. And it's one of those things that I've, I've really come to believe, and I, I think that I'm, I'm just kind of reflecting what a lot of you uh, have already expressed to me. So let me ask you a question right quick. A lot of you weren't here last week. We'll forgive you for that, but did you do your homework? All right. That's why, <laughs> that's why I put this in my notes. Jason and I did our homework, and usually it would just be Jason. <laughs> but in this instance, um, I want you, I suspect, it, i I, I got to be honest with you, you're a little bit shocked that pretty much nobody did it. I expected a few of you to have done it, but that's okay, that's okay. <laughs> I did it too. I did it too. <laughs> you thought about doing it. You just didn't follow through. Fair enough. Yeah, that's good. Well, here's the good news. The homework assignment for the assignment for next week is the same as it was for last week. So this is in your uh, benefit. Uh, seriously, though, as, as I started to think about that, and uh, I, I did play from a little behind the eight ball. I did kind of start late, but ultimately I did get it done. And, and as, as I started to think about those things that, that Philippians 4 and 8 um, outline and tell us to think on, I, uh, when, I, when I started writing those things down, I, I started with whatsoever is true. And I think I did that actually on Tuesday caught up a day or so, but um, Jason said, I, I think I heard him say this last week, he said, hey, write some things down about yourself that, that are true. And uh, he, he used the word affirm, I think. He said, affirm yourself a little bit in, in what you think about this week. And I did that on, on, on Tuesday or whatever day it was, Monday or Tuesday, I, I did that, and I was sitting in my truck and I had my little, now Jason has a very cool Italian leather bound notebook that he keeps with him all the time, but I just got a legal pad and I'll probably lose it by the end of the week. But nevertheless, this is an improvement, understand? So my little yellow notepad at work, I, I'm sitting down and the guys are doing some stuff that they don't need me for. And I said, okay, I'm going to take a little time here and I'm going to put my phone on silent and I'm going to think about this. I'm going to be intentional, Troy, about what I'm about to do. And I started to write some things down that I believe to be true about myself, and, and the first thing I want you to know is that I struggle. I couldn't really, on my own, come up with something good about myself. Not out of my own estimation. And, and that's not healthy. That's a problem. That's something I need to work on. That's, it's a mind monster. But then as I started, I said, well, I can't just quit. I've got to say something about myself. There, surely there are some true things that are positive about me. So in an effort to... Um, to continue, I, I, I wrote some things down that other people had identified about me through the years. 
And I found that to be incredibly moving and touching when I revisited those thoughts. And I thought about the people who had said them. Some people have said, there's a one, a lady in particular that says, Brian, I have a hard time trusting people. I don't trust people, but I do trust you. And some people have said, Brian, you're an honest man. You're a good person. You're this, you're that. So I just wrote down four, four or five of those things, and it was this moment for me. And I don't, just to be completely honest with you, I don't think I've ever made that assessment. You know, you are the biggest person in your life. You are you, you're, you're always together. I know that sounds silly, but you can't leave yourself. You're just always going to be there. And yet I had never in my life sat down and said, what's good about me? And why? How do I know that? So what I'm saying is that for, for those of you, meaning all of you, who didn't do your homework last week, take it seriously. Take a little time this week. Get 10 minutes a day this week. Turn your phone off. Go away from the people who would distract you. Sit down with a piece of paper and do this. Read Philippians 4 and 8 and take that first word. Start on Monday and take true. And affirm yourself. Write down what you believe is positive, is true about yourself. Go through on Tuesday and, and think of things that are noble. What does noble mean? It means worthy of honor. What is in your life? Not necessarily about you, but what is worthy of honor in your life? And just follow the scripture out each day. Write some of those things down. I promise you, you'll be, you'll be glad you did it after you did it. And you'll... You'll need to do it again and again. So, if, um, if, if you weren't here last week, uh, Jason talked about rejecting mind monsters. That was the last, and I know a lot of our journey guys were out last week. So, he talked about rejecting mind monsters, and that's the, that step in, in the process. And we're going we're gonna to move on today and talk about replacing, replacing those mind monsters. Um, in the sermon that uh, Jesus taught, um, the Sermon on the Mount is what I intended to say there, he, he addressed a bunch of issues by saying this phrase. He said, you have heard this, or in the past you believed, is kind of what it means. But I say unto you, he, he moves on into this statement. So he said, um, You've heard that it's, it's wrong to be adulterous. But I say unto you that it's wrong to look upon a woman with lust. You've heard that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He didn't say hate, did he? But I say you should do this. You should love your neighbor and pray for your enemy. So what is he, what's he doing there? What is Jesus getting at? He's changing the thinking of those people because they had a lot of preconceived ideas and notions about how things were for a long, long time. They developed those things, and Jesus was saying, there's a change now. We're changing how we do this, and I want you to hear it. Each time that Jesus said that, he was changing the way those people thought. He was Elevating the standard that they were familiar with. And he did it through a change in thinking. Mind monsters um, are often shaped 
by our life's experiences. Okay, and, and that cycle for me looks like this. Now, this is not in the book. This is just me. So if it's wrong, don't blame that guy. I put this in here. The cycle looks like this. We experience life. So that means we live. We get up in the morning. We go to school. We go to work. You know, we're, we're a baby. We interact with our parents. We, whatever, whatever stage of life you're in, whatever stages of life that you have lived through, you live through those days. You feel whatever happens in them. And then you go to step two. When I think quite subconsciously, we assess that experience. And we, we, without really identifying, without writing it or being intentional about it, we say, what hurt me in this process? Was this painful or pleasurable for me? How, how did that thing make me feel? And then we move to the next experience and the cycle starts over again. And we, we move to the next experience armed with the knowledge of how the last experience affected us. And we apply that effect to how we execute the next thing. Okay? You guys agree with that for the most part? Those recurring thoughts become beliefs. That thinking over and over, when I did this, this happened. That becomes a belief. And those beliefs get lodged in our minds. They become the thing that we've been talking about. And they get deeper and deeper and deeper more entrenched as time goes by and with each passing, affirming experience. The problem is that those thoughts and beliefs are sometimes and oftentimes rooted in untruth. Because you feel something doesn't necessarily make it true. Now, it's valid. How you feel about anything is it's valid because, you know... My brother told me once, he said, Brian, I, I, I really don't like it when people tell me how I should feel. You can tell me how to act when I feel a certain way, but don't tell me how to feel. That's, it's just in me. It's just a response. And that's valid and it's good. But all of those experiences, those feelings and emotions and, and the filter by which we perceive God and life through need to be subject to truth. They need to be subject to truth. Sometimes, oftentimes, we need to change our thinking. You see, you don't just evict a mind monster. You, you don't hang a notice on the door and call the DA and say he's got to go. When he's gone, you've got to replace him. You've got to put something back where he was. Or he's going to think he's welcome to show up again. And he's not. That may seem like, like a daunting task. It, it does to me because, let's be honest, it's very difficult to not think about something that feels so real and valid. When something is that poignant in your mind, some, some hurt or thing or, or worry or fear or, or sin or temptation, when it's that pronounced, it's hard not to think about it. It's hard to think about something else. It really is. But it's doable and it's the right thing to do. Okay, there are three key points to remember. This is how you can replace the monsters that you evict in your mind. Thing number one, everybody say thing number one. God will help. God will help. Listen, I want you to, I want you to understand, and this is something that, that is 
it's really fresh in my mind and uh, really that I'm, I'm experiencing just in the last couple of weeks. God is passionate about you. God is passionate. He's not distant. Uh, you're not disconnected from him. If you feel like you're disconnected and that, that God can't be found, guess what? Probably time to recognize. That's one of those things. That's one of those monsters. We need to recognize him. Let's, let's, it's a seedling. It, it's not big yet, but before the, before the sprout gets too big and it's hard to deal with, throw it out right then. Get rid of it. Go Philippians 4.8 on that thing. Now, y'all all need to go read because you didn't read it or do it. That's okay. You're going to do it this week, right? Raise your hand if you're going to do it this week. I can't even get some of you to commit to do it. All right, that was 75%. That's good. If you're interested in God, then he is infinitely interested in you. God is passionate about you. He said that he'd never leave you. He said he'd never forsake you. He said he wouldn't put a greater temptation on you that you could bear. And he said that if there was a temptation, that he would provide what? A way out. He's passionate about you. Do y'all, y'all know what I'm saying there? I'm, I'm trying, I can't quite, you know, I got to um, anthropomorphize. Is that a word? Probably not. But I got to apply some, some man to my vision of God to make that work. You know, when God wakes up in the morning, not that he ever goes to sleep, but when he wakes up and hits his alarm clock, I think you're the first thing on his mind. I think he thinks, I get to talk to Paula today. She's going to wake up in a little while and drink coffee, and I, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be there with her. I'm going to see Casey later, and, and she, I'm going to give her this idea for a song. And Troy, just like you get up in the morning and, and you think about Kara, God is passionate about you. He's interested in you. He's not distant. Oftentimes, we, we see God the way that we've seen other people, the way we feel like other people are and, and and that's somewhat natural and maybe it can't be helped but it can be fixed because God isn't people he ain't you and he's certainly not me so in in order to move past that we've got to understand that he is infinitely passionate about us he thinks about you he wants you he longs to be with you all the time he's passionate about you God is probably bigger than you believe. He's better than you believe. What, whatever it is that you believe about him, Aaron, he's better than that. And it's not, it's not a failure on our part when, when we don't get to where he really is. But it does, the responsi responsibility does rest on us to know, hey, this God that I know is bigger than me. He's better than I can imagine. He's better than than everything that there is. His love and acceptance and understanding is better than I believe it is. His grace is sufficient. And, and all of that is true. And you guys know all that. Now you know it. But you don't quite believe it just yet. And, and I don't think that any of us believe it to the fullest extent. But we're all at some point in the process. And guess what? It's God's process. So that's okay. Put one foot in front of the other. Take a step. Walk a little bit. All of that is true, but yet somehow a person like me, now I'm, I'm talking about me, still wants to try and conquer the monsters, Dale. 
on his own. Like, like a little boy who's trying to impress his dad, Jason. Look at it and say, no, wait, God, I got this. Let me show you. I can do this. Over and over and over and over. The same monster, the same temptation, the same fear, the same X, Y, Z. Put it in the blank. And all that while, I'm failing. I'm failing to overcome. I'm failing to evict. I'm not replacing. I'm not recognizing. All of those things are happening. I'm frustrated in myself. And all the while, God's standing back and just waiting for me to realize something. Waiting for me to realize that, Brian, you, you were born my son. You don't have to prove it. You're, you're already there. You already have my favor. My influence in your life is, is there. You don't have to work for it. There's no need to be self-reliant. In the spiritual arena... Um, the idea of self-reliance is really a falsehood. And it's, to be honest with you, it's kind of devastating. Because now, again, I'm still just, I'm pretty much just talking about me, and I've told you guys a million times that I think we're all basically the same. Now, I know we have differences, but our needs and ideologies are, are more or less really, really close. And, and I was just born and raised... Not actively, but somewhat passively, just to, to believe that I should be in charge. That I should be the person who could. That I should be the person, look at Amy shaking her head, the person who takes the bull by the horns. And that is me to some degree, but it can't apply to this. If, if I try and superimpose that method of living to my relationship with God, I'm automatically kicked out. It doesn't work. The two things don't coexist. I heard a great point this week. Chris Hodges said, uh, a, sure way to know that it, a sure way to know that you're self-reliant is if you're worn out. <laughs> and man, that, when he said it, I had to just pause the podcast and listen for a minute. <laughs> because that's true. I'm worn out a lot of the times. I'm worn. I'm tired. I don't understand how I'm going to get tomorrow's things done and how I'm going to be a good dad and be a good husband and be somehow be acceptable to God. And the reason is because I'm trying to do all those things myself. I'm still trying to prove my way through it. Not going to work. Do a little self-assessment for me. Just, just answer these couple of questions. Are you weary with life? Does the thought of waking up tomorrow and starting over depress you? Maybe not depress. Maybe that's too strong a word. But do you find that to be wearying? Man, Monday. Got to start over. It's the first of the month. Whatever. I got to start all over again tomorrow. If the answer to those questions is yes, you might be like me. You might be trying to be one of those self-reliant people. It's not going to work. It doesn't need to work. Recognize that. Reject it. Okay? We're going to learn how to replace it here in just a minute. But we're going to replace it with truth. The truth is, you're not alone. You don't have to be in charge. You can let God take over. 
That's okay. He wants to take over. Remember, he's passionate about you. He wants to take what you're struggling with and just handle it. Now, he's going to teach you some things along, along the way. If you're struggling with money, you're not going to win the lottery. And that's, let me just save you the dollar or whatever it costs. If you're not struggling with money, you're not going to win it either. All right? Listen, and this is not in my notes, but I've always wanted to say it, so I'm going to say it. If you can't handle the $100, why do you think you can handle $100 million? Did y'all know that uh, I saw this documentary a few years ago about NFL football players, and I suspect that some of you saw it too, and the name of it is Broke. So these guys come out of college. They're athletes. They don't know the first thing about managing money. Uh, they're all, you know, some of them are issued huge contracts and some of them are a little more modest. But I think the base salary in the NFL is about $400,000 a year. Something like 75% of the new um, players in the NFL file for bankruptcy in five years. 75%. Is that unbelievable? 75%. Handle the little stuff. My grandpa told me one time, your grandfather, Benny Tier told me, he said, hey, if, if you'll watch your pennies, you won't have to worry about your dollars. True. Handle the little things. That's thing number one, guys. That was thing number one. God will help you. Thing number two. Everybody say thing number two. Fill your mind. This is a good one. Question yourself. What am I thinking about? Ashley Tipler, what, what are you thinking about? Are, are the thoughts that you engage in, are they positive? Do they pass the Philippians 4 and 8 test? If you want a positive mind, then you've got to provide some positive content for it to consume. I'm going to teach you guys something about building a road, okay? Nate's back there. This is story time with Uncle Brian right here, Nate. Okay. So in my business, we build roads, and, and roads are built on, built on top of dirt most of the time. And they're actually built with dirt for, for the large part, with the exception of that last little bit of asphalt. The rest of it is dirt. But there's some things you got to do to the dirt before you can really call it a road. And the first thing you got to do is you got to manage the moisture content. It's, we call it optimum moisture content. And we send a sample of the dirt to the lab, and the lab tells us, okay, TLS, you got to get this dirt to between 17 and 21% or 14 and 18%, some range. And you guys know something about this, and I'm about to prove it. If the dirt is too wet, what is something that you can add to it to make it not so wet? Something that's what? Dry. And if it's too dry, what, what might you add to it to make it wetter? Water, something that's wet, right? Very simple. Now, we use something called lime. Y'all know what lime is? Lime, the main thing that makes this process work is the fact that it is extraordinarily dry. I mean, there ain't a drier thing in the world. Flour is not as dry as lime is. Now, there is a chemical process uh, that, that occurs as well, but the fact of the matter is, the dirt's wet, we put the lime in it, we mix it in with a big machine called a stabilizer, and that makes the dirt dry, simply by virtue of the fact that the lime was really dry. The dirt was wet, and so these things come together. They balance, they kind of meet in the middle. 
If you put a cup of room temperature water in the freezer, what happens to the water? Right. It balances. It, it comes to the temperature of the room. Now, incidentally, in a, in a freezer, there's a machine that's making the air cold. But if it wasn't, let's say you put it in there and just turn the freezer off. The water would still freeze, but the freezer would come down a little bit in temperature, ever so slightly, depending on the amount of water. Just physics, right? <laughs> this is how your mind is. If your mind is really dry, what can you do to, to make it wetter? You've got to add something to it that's wet. <laughs> if your mind is really negative, what can you do to make it positive? You've you got to add something to it that's positive. And if you, can, if you keep doing that over and over uh, before too long, there won't be any negativity left in your mind. You'll just be a positive person person. It's the balancing effect. One thing affecting the other. It's just as simple as like chemistry 101. I mean, it's better than that. It's just like dirt. Huh? Just like dirt. What are some tools, and, and you guys tell me what you think, what are some tools that you can use to fill that space with? So you've had a negative thought. This is literally how it happens. Uh, I'm going to use a real-world example. I thought Jason was mad at me a couple months ago. <laughs> hey, real world. And y'all are all laughing, but this happens to every one of you. I know. <laughs> so I thought Coop was mad at me, and I kicked that out. I was like, no, that, that's probably not true. That was my rejection. Now, I need to replace it with something. What's something that you could do to replace that thought? What could you think, what could you do positively? This is not a trick question. Almost any answer will do. Three. Aaron said, tell him you love him. That's good. That's positive. Incidentally, uh, so I don't really remember what happened. But anyway, he, he said something or did something. I thought he was irritated. So that night I texted him. I was like, man, did I, you upset with me? Because I'm not sure about how you, you acted today. And. Of course, he had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> Y'all see the truth in this? Now, what if I didn't call Jason or text him? What happens to that thought? Stays there. Grows, gets bigger. Entrenches deeper and deeper and deeper. Soon, you won't be able to find that thing. He's so deep in your head. You'll have to go to a therapist to get it out. <laughs> it's true. It's true. One thing you can do is get in the Word. Get a Bible. That's step one. Step two is to read it. I'm an advocate. Now, some people in this room will disagree with me. I'm an advocate of finding a Bible that you can understand when you read. I'm going to be honest with you. When I read Romans and the King James, I get really sleepy and I understand very little. There are so many times I have read a statement and I just look at it. And, and look, I'm a word guy, okay? And I'm like, what does that mean? What sense does that make? So if you don't understand it, don't just keep reading it. Get a version that you can understand. Hey, getting something is better than getting nothing, right? Music. Music is another one. It's a really, really big one for me. It's special for me. Music affects my mood, and I think that this is true of most of you as well. When I'm stressed, I like, and Nancy will, will tell you this, I like to go in the barn where the piano is now, uh, and sit at the piano and play the piano. Now, understand, I can't play the piano. 
I can string a few chords together and kind of halfway sing a little bit, but I'm just telling you that the sound of those strings vibrating the air changes me. I can go from being really angry <laughs> to just being okay all of a sudden. I forget all about what happened. Music does that to me. It really kind of melts it away. Now, I'm going to meddle a little bit here, but I don't listen to music that's not Christian music. And the reason for that is because I have this connection with music that I recognize, and I don't want anything else fouling that up. You know, I don't want to listen to, to sting. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I couldn't even name a singer today. I couldn't come up with one. But I'm not going to listen to my favorite artist would have been Van Morrison from back in the day. I don't listen to him anymore, although I love it, man. I like that music, Coop. But it, it doesn't fit in my thing with music. Personal development is, is another one. Read something that teaches you something about yourself. Read something that teaches you about other people and, and how they might act and react. Reflection. This is a personal favorite of mine. I find it very beneficial, beneficial to, to think back on times when I may have uh, been affirmed by someone or in, in the friendships that I had. Maybe I think back to where those things started or or I think back and just remember something that we did together. I'm going to keep using Jason for an example here because I can pick on him. I remember one time Jason and I cutting donuts in my Mustang on the new First Church property. You remember that? <laughs> so that was a long time ago, y'all. It was a long time ago, but that happened, and we had a good time, and we had lots of good times like that. So if I start feeling really bad, or especially if, if one of my friends maybe hurts me, I will, I will displace that and think about a good thing that they did. And so pretty soon after that, you'll quit believing that they had any malintent for you at all. Because they probably didn't. There's no way I'm going to finish this lesson today. I might have to do another week, Jason. But, um, yeah, he likes that. He likes that. Listen. Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> I just like to reflect on, the, on those close relationships and the root of those things. Now, understand that sometimes, you know, the, the person who may hurt you today, you probably have some history with him that's good. So think about that history. Just, just put away the bad stuff for the moment. John Maxwell wrote something in a book, and I don't remember what book it was. I just remember it was, it was his. And he said this. He said, we tend to judge ourselves by our intentions. And others by our action, their actions. So, Troy and Aaron, y'all come stand here for a minute because I'm, I'm visual and I need some help. So, Troy is offended. And Aaron has offended him. It happens, dude. This happens, all right? So, Aaron has offended him and Troy goes to Aaron and says, Man, look, you did this to me and I don't appreciate it. I think you're a low-down, dirty dog. And what's the first thing Aaron's going to say? I didn't mean to. Go sit down. So then, Aaron says, I didn't mean to do anything. See, that, that's his intention speaking. But then Jeremy here offends A.D. And you come to him and say, you low down dirty dog, this is what you did to me. And what do you say? I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to make you feel that way. But you see, Aaron forgot about this relationship where he didn't mean to. 
Now he's seeing the action come from someone else. Y'all get what I'm saying? When someone, when you're hurt or, or when you're angry or, or whatever the situation is, it includes another person. Think about what they probably meant to do and not what they did. Because all you're doing is skipping a step. You're getting to that point in your mind and having a conversation with that person where they are surely going to say, Sister Murphy, I didn't mean to hurt you. You know that's what they're going to say. Nobody's going to look you in the eye and say, I wanted you to hurt that day. I wanted you to get up and cry the next morning because of what I did to you. Nobody's going to say that. Okay? If they do, then we can move on from them. Alright? We tend to judge... Ourselves by our intention, but others by their action. That's all tools for fulfilling or fulfilling that space when we evict a mind monster. Fill your mind with good things because remember, you can't evict the monster without replacing him. Thing number two. Remember, there are three things. And I ain't going to finish number two. Everybody say thing number two. Thing number two. Look for wisdom. I'm sorry. Thing number three. I'm on number two. Thing number three. Y'all say thing number three. Thing number three. <laughs> Look for wisdom as if there's a reward for finding it. Because there is. There is a reward. The Bible says in Proverbs 9 and 12, If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. This is an extraordinarily practical point. Considering the wisdom in our actions before we act, Patrick, that, that's the key. you got to think before you do something. Is this wise? And there's a difference between right and wrong and wise and unwise. And I, I'm, I'm not going to have time to get into that today, but understand that you, you can do something unwise and not be wrong. But the unwise action will affect a lot of other things in your life will affect a lot of other people in your life. And you don't necessarily want to do that. You want to be wise. You want to affect those people positively. What, what is wisdom exactly? It's a good question. And for me, at least, it's not the easiest thing in the world to answer. Think about it. Try to put your finger on wisdom and say, this is what wisdom is, I'll tell you. It's hard to come up with that. It's defined as the soundness of action or decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, or good judgment. What does that mean? Okay. This guy named Anthony Douglas Williams, who is uh, an author of some kind, defined it this way. He says, knowledge comes from learning. Wisdom comes from living. Somebody else said, we don't know who said this, knowledge is knowing what to say and wisdom is knowing when to say it, Right? It's difficult to, to really put your finger on. But for me, here's the thing. Here's what I know. How I know that I'm hearing wisdom. Wisdom is that thing which carries the weight of influence. It carries the weight of influence. I don't always respond to knowledge. I usually... Knowledge comes and goes. There's lots of knowledge. Man, there's books and the internet is full of knowledge. And there's just plenty of knowledge. Knowledge doesn't even have to be right or wrong. But wisdom always catches my attention because there's something intrinsic about it that carries that weight and says, hey, listen, that's important. 
Let me, let me very quickly read through the second proverb. I want you to hear some of what the Bible has to say about the reward of wisdom. My son, if you accept the words and store up my commandments within you, turning your ear to wisdom, applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in blamelessness. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant. To your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways. Wisdom will save you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words, who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. Surely her house. Leads down to death and her paths to the spirits of the dead. That's strong, y'all. None who go to her return or attain the path of life. Thus, you will walk in the ways of the good and keep the path of righteousness. For in the upright, for the upright will live in the land and blameless remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful torn from it. I can't say it any better than Proverbs says it. We got to go real quick. Three things. Thing number one, God will help. What's thing number one? God will help. Thing number two, fill your mind. Thing number three, look for wisdom as if there's a reward because there is. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so thankful today for you, God. I'm thankful for the relationship that you're continuing to develop. Sometimes I fall, God, and I don't, I don't do what I could to develop, but you don't give up on me. You keep working with me, Lord. You keep helping to see that there are thoughts in my mind, there are monsters in my mind that are wrong, that are not based in truth. Lord, I pray this week that you help me to think on those things in Philippians 4 and 8. God, help me to continue to reject those mind monsters and replace them with good thoughts, with positive thoughts, with things that are true things that are just, the things that are right. Lord, we thank you for this day. We pray for our worship service today. Pray that you would bless and be with us. In Jesus' name.